to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Okay, welcome back, everybody. I want to start off this episode with a, a quick little dog story. This happened just the other day. Uh, in the afternoon, down the road, and there is an education twist to this, by the way, which <laughs> is rather sad, but true, um, and very telling, I think. Uh, d- down the road, there were a couple of white huskies, two of them, I believe a male and a female, older, big white huskies, and they were making their way down the road. They didn't have any collars on them. They didn't have any tags, uh, nothing. So I put both of them on a leash and I started walking them back down the street with the hopes of just knocking on some doors in an attempt to find, find the owner. Because they couldn't have run that far away. Again, they were out of breath and completely exhausted. So the first woman who comes out of her house, she owns a daycare. And she comes out and she sees me walking the dogs. And she says, I just saw these dogs walking down the street in front of my house. I took a picture of them from inside my house. And then I put it on some local Facebook page, I guess. And, uh, you know, this is something that's that's been, been new to me, too, oddly enough, is, I, first of all, I'm not on Facebook, never have been, never will be, but it was just a couple of years ago I, I, I realized that apparently a lot of neighborhoods just have these Facebook pages where they basically just keep in contact with one another and gossip about things, and I don't know, it's it seems a little weird, but, it, you know, if they help people, then, you know, I guess that's fine. Uh, but she said that she put the picture on, on on Facebook to try to, again, find the owners. And I said, so you've never seen these dogs before? She goes, no, I've never, I've never seen them. I said, well, I'm just going to keep walking down and knocking on a few doors, and we'll see what happens. I make my way down to another house, and there's a guy uh, in, his, in his driveway. And I said, hey, man, I said, uh, you ever seen these dogs before? And he looks at me, and he goes, yeah. He said, I see these dogs run through my backyard weekly. He said they never have a collar on them, no tags, nothing. He said, I have no idea whose dogs they are, but they're always running through my backyard on a constant basis. And I thought, well, that's weird. Um, and then the mo- and after he said that, he, he also said, he, again, these Facebook pages are bizarre. He goes, well, I'll get on the neighborhood Facebook page and I'll, and I'll post it. And I'm going, what the hell? I mean, do you people not have lives? I mean, you just bounce around this local Facebook page on a constant basis and uh, and message one another about God knows what. And I thought, well, all right, fine. I said somebody else down the road's doing that already, but go, you know, go for it. Appreciate the help, and uh, you know, take care. Uh, apparently, though, which again blew me away, is apparently I'm the only one trying to figure out who the owner is. Seemed seemed weird. Um. Again, other people have seen these dogs before, and some people had never seen these dogs before, but I was the only one who actually grabbed the dogs and tried to take them back to their to their owner. After talking with this guy, though, I started to spend more time looking at the dogs, and one of them, the one that was walking slower, the, the smaller female dog, her, her nails were remarkably long and uncut, so she was basically walking on her nails, which is terrible for a dog. So immediately I start to think to myself, all right, whoever I find as being the owner, if they are in fact there and the owner, I'm going to lay into this person. 
for just being a negligent dog owner. Again, no collar, no identifying tags, and uh, unkempt. An unkempt dog, we'll say. So I keep making my way up the road. A few houses later, I knock on another guy's house who I know has dogs. Little yapper dogs. And I said, hey man, uh, I don't like this family, by the way, but whatever. I said, uh, have you seen these dogs before? And he goes, no, I haven't. Never seen them, but I'll get on the Facebook page. And, <laughs> and I thought, okay, this Facebook page. I mean, what, what, again, what do you people talk about all day long? Uh, I said, do you have any water for, for these dogs? Like a, uh, you know, a bucket of water or something? He goes, yeah, no problem. So, you know, what, one of them drinks out of it a little bit and the other one doesn't. The smaller of the two, which again has the, the gnarly nails, uh, isn't drinking at all. It looks like it's about to pass out. So I said, thanks, you know, whatever. And I just kept moving along. I kept going up the road. And then finally, a woman is passing me in a car. And uh, she rolls down her window and she looks at me and I, and I actually waved her down. And I said, do you know whose dogs these are? And she looked at me and she goes, I'm 99% sure that they belong to this family. And she says their name and then she says, you know, they're, they're right over here. I'll, I'll show you where they live. And they live on the same road. So she pulls into their driveway and I'm, I'm walking behind her. And I walk up to the front door and she goes, I'm 100% sure that, well, almost 100% sure that these are the dogs that, uh, you know, that, that live here and whatever else. And these are the owners. There's two cars in the driveway when I pull up, when I walk up, and Amazon packages stacked up at the front door. Lights are on on the inside and the house is locked. At least the front door is locked. I ring the doorbell a bunch of times, bang on the door, no answer, but another white dog comes to the door. As again, I'm holding on to these two dogs. Uh, I looked at the the woman, so no one's home basically. But I looked at the woman who who showed me where these people live and who the dog owners allegedly are. And I hand her the dogs and I said, "Can you can you just hold these for a second? She goes, "Sure." She, and she told me, she said, "The owners know that the dogs get away. They don't seem to care that the dogs get away. And there's a weak spot in their backyard fence, which is where the dogs are getting through." Again, I'm thinking to myself, these people are negligent. Not to mention, eyeball test. When you look at a person's home, you can, you can get a pretty good idea as to what's going on in between their ears. And I know you know what I'm talking about. I mean, if you look at a person's home, you know, is it, is it, well, is it well kempt? Uh, you know, is it landscaped? Is the grass cut? You know, is the paint falling off the house? You know, what's going on with the house? Because it's an indication as to what's going on inside the mind of the person. I walk around the back of the yard, side of the yard to get to the backyard. They have, uh, they have a big black chain link fence with that like rubber coating all over it so you can bend it and manipulate it you know, with, without cutting yourself. And uh, there's a giant hole in the fence. The fence had, had been broken and then it was bent in an upward direction. So the dogs could easily slip out. Again, these were big dogs, but if they were on their stomachs, they could easily crawl out, which is apparently what they did. So I'm in the backyard of this house. Again, no one's home. And I've never seen a more disgusting house in my entire life. The back of the house looks like an absolute jungle. There's, there's trash everywhere. 
There's dog toys everywhere. There's weeds growing through the deck. Uh, it's just nasty. And then, of course, the fence is destroyed. So I temporarily fix the fence so the dogs can't get out. I sort of bend it back into place, and then I cram a bunch of stuff in the hole so that the dogs can't get through the hole. Um, I then came back around to the front of the house to get the dogs to put them into the fence again and then just walk away. Uh, the, the woman walks back with me, and because the dogs are exhausted, I figured, well, I'll take this giant baby pool. They have one of those plastic baby pools in the middle of their backyard that was empty, and I figured I'll just fill it up with water. So she's grabbing the hose, and I'm looking to see where the hose turns on, and she looks at me, and she goes, oh, the dogs already walked into the house. And I said, where did they walk in? And she goes, that sliding glass, uh, that sliding glass door right there, the, the sliding glass door is, is wide open. And I thought to myself again, no one's home, your dogs are loose, and you have a door to your house that's wide open in the, in the back of your home. What the hell is wrong with these people? So I said, well, my job's done here. It looks like the dogs belong here, and, and that's the end of it. I walk to the front yard, and she goes, yeah, she goes, she's in the education business, and I think she's a psychologist, like a school psychologist for the local school district. So, um, you know, she's busy a lot, not home very often, and she has kids, but I don't know where they are, and this, that, and the other. And I thought to myself, ah, there you go. That's the kicker. She's in the education business, and she's a psychologist. Because the thing, ladies and gentlemen... <laughs> That drives me up the wall, and it is a accurate stereotype. And it's not for everybody, that would be impossible, but it's for many. Is that many individuals who claim to be in the business of helping others for a living are incapable of helping themselves. I mean, this woman's house was destroyed. It's, it's gross. Calling it gross is an understatement. Not to mention, again, the... the, the the, the pet neglect is incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And on top of that, who leaves a door wide open in their house, which clearly was leading into the master bedroom? It was weird. It was beyond weird. So, you know, it, when, when it comes to dog owners, and I'm a dog owner also, but when it comes to dog owners, you know, there is a spectrum of dog owners that is bizarre. You know, you'll have the dog owner that allows their dog to take a dump in aisle five of a PetSmart and not even think to clean it up, just leaves it there. And then you have, of course, dog owners like myself who don't even bother taking their pets to PetSmart because, you know, I don't do that. That's for some people. It's just not for me. It's not my thing. And then, of course, you have the dog owners that don't care that their dogs don't have a collar on, let alone identifying identification. Um, <laughs> any, any identifying markers whatsoever, and then, of course, neglect them from a hygiene standpoint. It just blows me away. But don't worry. This is the individual taking care of your children while you're away at work, and uh, they're evaluating your child's mental and emotional state as a school psychologist or something along those lines. It blows me away. And if I ever see these dogs again, I am going to take them back to the owner and just yell at them. I'm, I'm just going to have no choice. I'm just going to have to yell at them. 
I mean, these people, I got to tell you, uh, it's exhausting. It's just exhausting. Speaking of that, okay, dog story aside, getting into some education-related stuff here, I, I wanted to break down just a few things, of course, that bounced around from last week and, and, and certainly mention them here because this is alarming stuff. Um, the entire phenomenon of open houses, of course, this is now the beginning of the year and school is in full session for the most part, and open houses are a common thing. This was something that I believe made national news. I put it on my on my Gab page. Uh, but this is something that happened just up the road from, from where I live, um, a, a county, at least one county north of me. There, it, it, This occurred in Xenia, Ohio, and it was a 35, 36, or 37-year-old man walked into a elementary school open house in the evening on open house night. No one was stopping anybody at the front door. No one was being vetted at the front door. This guy just walked in. He claimed to be the parent of a child, and I don't know if there was some sign-in page or, or what it was. But he ends, up wa- he ends up going into the building. He's allowed to enter the building. And then he proceeds to walk up to a random elementary school female. He starts talking with this female, puts his hands on her briefly, apparently, and then the parents of the child see this man talking to their child, and they decide to call the police. The police are summoned, and they detain the individual, and they pull him out into the parking lot, and they start questioning the guy as to who he is, what he's doing there, whatever else. This guy spills the beans. I mean, he tells them. He tells them everything that he had planned. He says that he showed up to the open house to kidnap an elementary school girl to poison her with Starburst candy that, was, that, that would be poisoned, according to him, and then molest the child. He says all of this, admits all of this. They bring him back to the precinct. And they have him in an interrogation room with one other police officer. The guy is not handcuffed, and he's sitting at a table where there's a pen. And the guy on camera in this interrogation room grabs the pen and turns around in an attempt to stab the police officer with the pen. The police officer grabs him, throws him across the interrogation room, he hits the door, sits on his back and handcuffs him, and then other officers enter the room. Ladies and gentlemen, American K-12 schools can't even get open houses right. They can't even vet complete strangers walking into a school building during an open house. Because again, the implication is that the school is for the community. and. The doors are open, and you know, if you're a parent, come on in. We just assume everybody who's coming in here is going to be a parent. No, it's a pedophile playground. They should know that. They don't know that. This, again, is more proof that these individuals don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're thinking about. They don't know the environment nor the world we live in. 
They have no concept of reality. You would think, though, that after such an incident, that the school system would somehow change their methods or start vetting people, which they'll probably do. But as you've heard me say, schools love to tell everybody that they're proactive. Well, we're proactive, and we are ahead of the curve, and we're doing everything that we can do to ensure the safety and security of everybody involved. And they always say the same crap. They always say it. But they are as reactive as humanly possible. This random guy again could have just snatched this girl out, could have lied to him and said, I work here, your parents, your parents asked me to come with you and whatever else. Then he just picks up the kid, tosses the kid in his car, and then, and then that's it. Honest to God. Not to mention parents. I mean, can we be a little more vigilant? Can we, can we be around our children as much as humanly possible when we're in public and not leave them alone for a split second? You know, again, I, I wasn't in the building. I didn't see exactly where the parents were, what, you know, what was happening. Of course, I wasn't there. But the point is, is again, uh, I, I don't know. It's just, it's awful. It's beyond awful. And it's evident that there were red flags and that people were even later admitting, well, he seems suspicious. You think? You think he's not a teacher, he can't identify anybody by name, allegedly, and he just walks in, you all let him in, and then he just starts talking to a random kid. Again, they can't even get open houses correct. You should be vetting people by the door. Who are you? Can I see some identification? Who's your child? Okay, enter. Now, there's always problems with this, you know, within American schools. There just always is. You'll always, you know, well, I'll put it this way. When I taught, there was always an issue, in particular with divorced parents. Who was allowed to pick up the child and who was not? Who was allowed to visit the child in school and who was not? Because in many cases, there would be restraining orders and Certain parents wouldn't be allowed to, uh, certain biological parents wouldn't be allowed to visit their child in school, let alone pick them up. And then, of course, all of this is computerized information that is available for the front office workers. The front office worker can see exactly who it is that is supposed to pick up the child and who is not allowed to pick up a child. If a child is not allowed to be picked up by a person who is there to pick them up, then the resource officer is called and the person is questioned and so on and so forth. But um, this is an open house. I mean, again, th there's no checking at the front door to see who belongs and who does not belong. I mean, you talk about needing to place police officers in a particular spot. How about by the front door during an open house so that you're making sure that the people entering are just the parents and just the legal guardians who are actually supposed to be there and actually have children in the building? It's insane. It's absolutely insane. But don't worry, again, these are the people teaching everyone all kinds of information, most of it false, on a day-in and day-out basis within American K-12 school systems. And they will claim to the end of time that they are the safest environments and always working to make them the most safe. They are the furthest from. They're the furthest from. So I wanted to mention that. Because that happened just up the road. Okay, here's another one. 
This clip was making the rounds all over uh, social media, certainly Telegram and YouTube and a, a bunch of other radio shows and whatnot. And it was the clip with Aaron Rodgers when he was on the Joe Rogan show. And Aaron Rodgers, of course, uh, didn't take the COVID shots. He's playing this weird game where he's saying that he's allergic to one of the ingredients. I find that funny because that was the excuse that he used, of course, to not take it. And I'm glad he didn't take it. Again, I'm, I'm not a Joe Rogan fan. I'm not an Aaron Rodgers fan. But um, I'm glad he didn't take it. And I'm glad he stood his ground because, again, that right there is, is proving to people that they are disassociated from reality and the dangers of reality and the entire medical profession. He knew what was going on. He was listening to people. He was talking to people. Uh, he was asking questions, whereas, of course, the NFL was not. The NFL was mandating this not just for all of their football players, but all of their employees, the office workers, and so on and so forth. They were forcing this, this bioweapon down the throats of countless people. And, of course, he said no. What was interesting in the clip is he's talking about the coercion that was being used. And I'm not going to play the clip, but what he said was, is he said that the NFL and or the CDC rather had one of their goons, as he as he calls it, show up to the training camp meetings with the entire team, including the guys who haven't made the team yet but are engaging in tryouts, and then was essentially telling everybody again, "You have to take the shots, and believe me, you know they're safe and effective, and safe and effective, and safe and effective." And you're going to protect yourself and the people around you, and this is what good teams do. And all of that coercion. He kicked it up a notch, Aaron Rodgers did. And he said this, and, and this was the part where I thought to myself, oh yeah, we, we know about this. He said that, they that this CDC shot-pushing goon started to use statistics of other teams in the NFL that had taken the shots. And they were using their high percentages to try to coerce and convince other individuals who were refusing to get it to get it. Again, playing the, the competition game when it comes to a biological weapon. Of course, they don't know it's a biological weapon, or they do, and they don't care. But the blind adherence that the NFL was engaging in, he said, was just next level. He said, you know, th there were emails and there were presentations and slideshows, and it was just a constant ramming down the throat of everybody to take these shots. Now, you've heard me say it here. I've had guests on that have even said it who, who formally taught. The same methods were used in almost every walk of life and every profession, including American K-12 schools and university settings. These same coercive measures. Take the shots or else. Watch this PowerPoint presentation and we'll convince you to take these shots. Now, keep in mind, excuse me, I'm certain that the vast majority of, of school teachers, by and large, across the United States, took the shots without e even needing to see a presentation. They just blindly did it. That's their fault and they're going to pay the price for that. But the same coercive measures, the same coercive emails, the same coercive faculty meetings and professional development and so on and so forth, 
you know that this happened in every level, in every school district within American K-12 schools and college and university settings. It happened. It's a real thing. Again, the, the same goon squads would probably show up. Somebody from the health department would walk in. Everybody would look at this person because, again, I can see all their faces. I can see all the faces of these brain-dead school teachers in a faculty meeting, having been in a gazillion of them. And, and they're all just looking at these people. Some of the people in the room are awake and, uh, and, and know that it's all BS. And then other individuals are, are waiting on the edge of their seats for the latest information to get from this person from the all-seeing eye of the health department in order to tell them exactly what to do next. It's disgusting. It's beyond disgusting. And again, this was constantly happening all across the nation. And this is the thing, again, that not only grinds my gears, but this is the thing that I want people to consistently remember. Don't ever forget this. Don't ever forget what they did. In 2020, with the lockdowns and the no schools and the mask wearing, all the way through 2021, with the forced mask wearing and then the rollouts of the coercive jab taking and, and all of that which of course has led to endless deaths and countless more injuries that will ultimately lead to people's deaths. And I might add that the number of the injured and the number of dying as a result of these shots is not only growing, but it is, I don't want to say manipulated, but the numbers are all over the place. You listen to one person and they say, well, it's it's millions that are injured and it's, you know, maybe a million that are dead. And then other people are like, well, it's hundreds of thousands that are, that are dead and it's, and it's maybe a million or, you know, a million plus that are injured. Ladies and gentlemen, you can't calculate this. You can't. You've heard me say it's incalculable. This is not a number that's ever going to get an accurate count. Not ever. Because you have too many people that are showing up with, ailments and the people diagnosing the ailment the person with the ailment the people treating the ailment they have no idea that any of this is shot related not a clue not a clue so i wanted to mention that aaron rodgers thing because again that was not only used in in the nfl it was not only used in american k12 schools and university settings it was used in every profession I'm certain of it. It had to have been. The constant reminders, the constant bullying, uh, the harassment, you name it. Again, Cicely from New Mexico, who's been a guest on the show, she, she specifically brought that up. And I've even read those emails, and she's even said it here on the show. Again, when it came to the mask wearing and even the shot taking, having an administrator uh, find you in a hallway or in you know the atrium of a building and uh, walk up to you at random and say, well, I see you're not wearing a mask. And I end word on the street is, is you haven't taken your shots yet. I mean, that's none of their business. But see, administrators in American K-12 schools just want compliance. They're all about compliance. And I even got sucked into that once where if you didn't get a flu shot 
and you didn't get your blood tested and you didn't stand on the district scale that every goon has stood on and, and, and get weighed by all of the district nurses and whatever else in their, in their lone building uh, right next to the district office, that you'll end up losing $25 per paycheck or $25 per month, whatever it was, and you'll be docked that money. So that again, using money as as a as a coercive tool and the loss of money as a coercive tool in order for you to go through these medical procedures that ultimately end up poisoning you and making you sick, and also I might add, also end up always leading to higher insurance premiums and higher insurance costs for the school district. I mean, that's a thing that happens too. And I got sucked into that once, only once. But I had an administrator come up to me, open my door when I was getting ready for my next class. And they said, so I see that you're the only one on the list that hasn't, uh, hasn't gone to the district health, health office and uh, you know gotten their blood tested and gotten their flu shot. And I said, yeah, I haven't. And when I say again, I got sucked into it, it was like a year earlier, I had done it and then found out how bad it was and, and saw through it. And then the next year, the same coercive measures took place. And I looked at the principal and I said, I'm, I'm not doing that. They said, well, you're the only one and we would like to get everybody to do it. And I, th- and I said, no, I like my blood right where it is. I'm good. Thank you. And I mean, she was, she was not having it. She was angry. She was angry that she couldn't get one more person on the list so that she could make herself look good in the eyes of district officials by saying, look what I did. I got all my staff members to go through your coercive uh, health measures. And, you know, aren't I the best kind of thing? And so... To this day, I'm kind of proud of that, that, uh, you know, that maybe I was the sole name on her list that, uh, you know, that didn't fall for it. But it's this kind of stuff that we cannot forget. That's my overarching point. I, I think that um, those coercive measures still exist to this day. They're going to continue to exist. They're not going to go away. In fact, I'd go so far as to say they're backfiring and they're going to backfire. And this right here is a perfect story, and I want to read this article. This comes from Just the News, and it has to do with this very thing. This is titled, Student Who Nearly Died After COVID Vax Granted Booster Exemption Following Outrage Over Denial. And this is Michigan State University. It says the following. Civil Liberties Law Firm has already sued Michigan State on behalf of employees I don't typo here, outs university for rejecting pleas from student medical provider who documented life-threatening blood clot following second Pfizer dose. It says students hoping to overcome campus mandates, campus COVID mandates, that now flout CDC guidance may be heartened by the quick reversal of a major public university that was outed for requiring a student who nearly died following vaccination to get a booster. Michigan State University quickly backtracked after the public learned it had rejected a medical exemption for a student who suffered a life-threatening blood clot two months after his second Pfizer dose, which MSU also forced him to take. It granted the unnamed student's request a day after lawyer Jenin 
Yones, if I'm saying that right, no chance, whose new Civil Liberties Alliance previously challenged its employee vaccine mandate in court, tweeted the rejection and said she had verification slash documentation. It says, MSU has denied a medical exemption from its booster mandate to a 19-year-old student who suffered a blood clot in his leg two months after the second shot that sent him to the ER, put him on crutches, and from which he has not yet fully recovered. And that was back on August 23rd. It says, Yones shared those redacted documents with Just the News, including the student's vaccination record card from a year ago and his medical provider's documentation of his January 2021 COVID injection. The provider filed an exemption request on his behalf, giving the university documentation of his November 2021 blood clot and results of his follow-up visit in July. MSU rejected his appeal and threatened to punish him. August 22nd of this year. In emails a minute apart, August 24th, the university told the student the exemption had been approved based on on further review, quote-unquote, and would last through November 24th, according to screenshots from Yones. She also provided a letter written to MSU on the student's behalf, but not sent before its reversal by a member of the Medical Coalition Urgency of Normal, uh, which is skeptical of child-focused COVID mitigations. How about about people skeptical uh, or people-focused of COVID mitigations? It's not just children. It's everyone. This is everybody. See, there are still doctors that think that this is good for certain people and not others, not children. Well, it's not necessary for children, but make sure and get grandma and grandpa the shots. I can't, I can't believe it. It says the doctor who teaches in an elite medical school reviewed the student's history and explained up-to-date research on the comparability of natural immunity to vaccination, lasting immune memory, quote-unquote, from infection, the rapid waning of booster and heart inflammation risks from the mRNA vaccines. Quote, as a physician and a data scientist, the current controlled experimental evidence and revealed ecological epidemic waves globally, locally, and even within our hospital do not support the position that boosting on top of robust hybrid immunity, quote unquote, will further decrease the student's risk from COVID, the doctor wrote. MSU has not responded to just the news queries before and since the reversal, including when shown the urgency of normal letter. Just the news is withholding the doctor's name based on stated fear of a medical board investigation, as a number of doctors have faced threats to their licenses for criticizing common COVID interventions, unquote. I gotta tell you, I think, again, not only is the apparatus of American education as we know it crumbling to the ground, you've heard me say this is going to be one of the last shoes to drop here. It's going to be the jab-injured and the jab-dead parents finally making the connections and then going after these institutions with everything that they have. Again, class action lawsuits, why not? Do it. Do it. Because again, saying, well, we were just following the medical advice or we were just taking the advice of the CDC, 
ladies and gentlemen, these were recommendations that became full-blown policy. Fortunately, however, and this is a bit of good news, um, I, d- I watched the last episode of The Five Docs, and Dr. Christian Northrup was talking about Dr. Dave Martin and a bunch of other doctors and lawyers. And again, I know that this has happened before and to no avail, to no avail basically, but um, they're ramping up going after institutions like this and doing whatever they can to flood them with affidavits notarized affidavits to get them to answer why they're they're mandating these shots and forcing them on people when countless people are injured, dead, and they don't work. Because you have to keep that in mind that all of that is well known now. I mean, for the most part, I should say. Not everybody knows this, but the dead asleep don't. But um it's it's pretty evident again that the shots don't work because people are continuing to get sick who have taken the shots. They of course think it's COVID. That's not true. They have AIDS. I've been over that. But they're not. The university institutions themselves are not making the connections. They're continuing again to mandate these shots. They did it again this year where I live, and in the universities around where I live, they're all mandated. And um, there you have it. I mean. That's again. That's going to be the last shoe to drop, because then they're going to have to, as you've heard me say in the past, they're going to have to take that that mandate off eventually. And when they do, all of the people who are jabbed, who are attending these universities, are going to have egg on their face, because now they're going to class with people who are not forced to take these shots to attend these universities and these institutions. So. Who's right and who's wrong? Now, again, you would think that the students themselves would have woken up to this when it came to the business of exemptions. Then again, that raises the question, how many students knew about the exemptions from the word go? Maybe it wasn't a lot of them. Maybe, uh, clearly, it was plenty. And that's the word on the street, too, is that more and more students who are still attending these universities are waking up to the business of the exemptions. And they're still attending because they want to attend because they think they're going to get something out of it. Uh, And then they are filling out the exemptions and the exemptions are being accepted. So if you're, I mean, if you're a university and you've engaged in this crime this entire time, uh, as you've heard me say and even write about on my Substack, they've been backed into a corner where no matter what move they make, they 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 look terrible in the process. It, it's not going to matter what move they make. They're going to look foolish. So what do they do then? Do they accept more exemptions and just ultimately accept every single exemption that they can possibly take while still trying to jab as many people as humanly possible? Or do they remove the jabs altogether and say, well, you don't have to have them to come here anymore? That's why I think this wintertime is going to be remarkably interesting. The leaves fall off the trees. The weather changes. People move inside. They're clustering around one another. You've got nothing but the jabbed all around one another. This is, this is going to be a visible thing. People are going to see this happen. Um, yeah. It, it, again, rock in a hard place is an understatement. These institutions are going to fail because of what they've done and their inability to see what's actually going on here. And again, 
do not hold your breath when it comes to them apologizing for anything and saying, well, we didn't know. And again, we were following the medical advice and the science and whatever else. It's a poor excuse because they're just murder camps now. That's all it is. Again, what's the likelihood of a freshman coming in who's double or triple jabbed from even being alive to see graduation? I don't know. Again, I don't know, and I'm, I'm, and I'm certainly not advocating for the death of people. That's not what I'm doing here. I want to make that abundantly clear. I hope things work out, but based on what we know what's going on, uh, it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. Doesn't seem like working out is going to be the thing that happens. Which also leads me to this, and this is an interesting trend that I, I too have mentioned in the past, but I'm starting to see it more. And I would encourage people to check this out for yourself if you can and see if you can pick up on this and see if you notice this or not. Again, I don't know how much searching you'll have to do, but it's getting to the point with me where all I have to do is open up YouTube. And I'll see some kind of a video that is a YouTube channel person who has a YouTube channel. And they're talking about a friend or a family member or a spouse of theirs that has died suddenly and unexpectedly. Um, I'm starting to just see this more often on YouTube. I could be wrong. Uh, th that this isn't an increasing trend, but it certainly seems to be. Again, even at just face value. Again, if you're paying attention to it and you know what's going on, you're probably going to be able to see these trends a little easier. But there was a guy, and I believe he's Canadian, and he basically has a camping channel. And uh, I opened up YouTube randomly. I've never seen this guy before, never seen his channel before. He has over a million subscribers. All of his videos get in the hundreds of thousands, if not just close to a million, a million views. And this guy camps lots of different places. He put out a video just the other day um, with him just sitting in a, in a, in a chair and, and the camera's rolling. And he starts to say that uh, his wife, and the, I mean, this is the basis of the entire video, but that his, he and his wife went to bed and the next morning he was the only one who woke up. That his wife just died in her sleep. And again, I'm saying to myself, this is a dude who is who, who looks like he's in his 40s, maybe. Um, you have to assume his wife is roughly the same age, give or take. And again, when have you ever heard of that happening? With any sense of regularity? People in their 40s or 30s or however old they are, going to sleep and then dying in their sleep. Heart attack, stroke, whatever it is. Seemingly healthy, phys you know, physically healthy people. Uh, again, I, I think that this is a trend that people are going to be able to see in lots of different avenues and in lots of different uh, social media platforms, even the social media platforms like YouTube, which tends to be where the sheep and the asleep go to get their information. Because again, most of the channels on YouTube aren't talking about any of this. They're not bringing up any of this. So that's something to keep an eye on. I would encourage people to, to, to pay attention to that. That's something that I'm just starting to see a little more often. And it's heartbreaking. I'm not saying that you know, I get joy out of seeing this. I clearly don't. It's awful. But again, what is it going to take for people to wake up? 
Um, and then I, I would even add this. What is it going to take for the YouTube people to make the connections and then actually say, look, they took the COVID shots. My recommendation is you not do that. My recommendation is that if you've taken them, you go to the doctor, get a D-dimer test, check to see if your blood is clotting, uh, if all the nano nanoparticles inside of your bloodstream are, are clumping together. These are things you know that you're going to want to pay attention to. And that's going to take some courage because a lot of people are relying on these YouTube channels for a living. And if they do that and they lose their YouTube channel, well, then that's it for them. So it's its own level of coercion. And it's, 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 it's just its own level of silencing these people. But that's assuming, again, that they're making the connections, which they may not be. So there you go. A trend to, a trend to pay attention to. And it's an awful trend. I think that goes without saying. A couple other random stories here. This comes from, uh, let's see, this is an iHeartRadio story. Weird that iHeartRadio is in the news business. But this is titled, can't make this up, Teen Who Identifies as Cat Allowed by School to Act Feline and Not Speak. Now, you heard me mention earlier, I think, <laughs> I think this is hilarious. You heard me mention earlier in a previous episode that there are schools, of course, this exists all over the United States, it's not just Pennsylvania, but um, a Pennsylvania school uh, that, that I heard on the internet is apparently allowing litter boxes to exist within its school district because of students who identify as cats. So they will quite literally, I don't know, do their business in a litter box, who's to, who's to really know? Walk up to a litter box and play with it a little bit? I uh, I have no idea, but this stuff is just nuts, and these people are nuts, and they belong in a padded room. It says, quote, many kids learn in different ways, and you got that right. It says, some are more visual, while others absorb information better if they read about it, but everyone learns best when they are comfortable and at ease. For one teen in Australia, that means acting like a cat. According to the Sun-Herald, the girl identifies as a cat, and the private school she attends allows her to be nonverbal and act feline. So long, of course, as it doesn't become a distraction to other students. While the school didn't confirm the specifics, they did explain in a statement that some of their students display, quote, a range of issues from mental health, anxiety, or identity issues, noting, quote, our, our approach, rather, is always unique to the student, and we will take into account professional advice and the well-being of the student. The school described the student as phenomenally bright, and a source close to her family explained, No one seems to have a protocol for students identifying as animals, but the approach has been that if it doesn't disrupt the school, everyone is being supportive. There might need to be protocols put in place, though, as more and more students are identifying as animals. Honest to God. Elsewhere in Australia, it says four girls have started walking on all fours and cutting holes in their clothes to make room for their tails. While the school... <laughs> oh, this is just lovely. Isn't this lovely? I think this is great. I think it's great. 
because it makes me look more and more like a genius every single day that I left this mental institution that they call education. Wow. It says, again, walking on, cutting holes in their clothes, blah, 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 to make room for their tails, while the school where it's allegedly happening denies the claims, one parent said a girl screamed at a peer for sitting on her tail, unquote. Well, of course, no one likes having their tail sat on, in particular when you're a human cat. I mean, come on, everybody knows that. Good Lord. Here's another thing. Uh, next story here, and this is from Zero Hedge, shifting gears slightly off of the comedy and into the, uh, the suspicious, I'll say. This is titled, DeSantis Suspends Four Broward County School Board Members. Now, this is interesting that a governor can do this. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I think it's a good thing. I wish it was something that would happen more often. This is typically a move that a State Department of Education makes. But in this case, it's tied directly to the uh, Nicholas Cruz case and the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas alleged shooting. Here's why I say alleged. I know I flipped back and forth on this Marjorie Stoneman Douglas shooting thing. I still think it happened. I'm 85% sure. But there's something that's occurring in the Nick Cruz uh, sentencing trial that I find to be odd. And it's just the length of time with which it's been taking place. It's been going on for a month approximately. And I've never heard of such a thing taking place for a month. You knew the guy killed people, allegedly. You knew that there was malfeasance among numerous individuals. Parents, again, was he an MK Ultra kid handled by the CIA, FBI? He apparently wasn't even attending the school as a student. He was going somewhere else or had graduated somewhere else. We know that the David Hogg kid wasn't even involved because he wasn't even in the building, let alone in the school that day, from all accounts, allegedly. I just, I, I think this is odd. And I think that the move all these years later to remove uh, some school board members because of negligence or inexcusable and unacceptable behavior, according to the report, which is 122 pages long, is interesting. Why now? Why would you do it now? And again, is it a suspension or is it permanent? It just, there's a lot of questions here, but I wanted to get into this article briefly and, uh, you know, we'll we'll see what it turns up. It says a statewide grand jury released a 122-page report accusing the four board members of a range of inexcusable actions and unacceptable behavior relating to the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas high school shooting on February 14, 2018, when 17 students and staff lost their lives. The governor said he took the report's recommendations and decided to act on his constitutional authority as governor. Quote, it's my duty to suspend people from office when there is clear evidence of incompetence, neg uh, neglect of duty, 
malfeasance, misfeasance or malfeasance, unquote. DeSantis said in a written statement. He then said, quote, we hope the suspension brings the Parkland community another step towards justice. This action is in the best interests of the residents and students of Broward County and all citizens of Florida. In announcing the suspensions, DeSantis said these are inexcusable actions by school board members who have shown a pattern of of emboldening unacceptable behavior, including fraud and mismanagement across the district. Now, if you recall, I think a lot of it had to do with um, their discipline policies and keeping dangerous students in the building, not expelling them when they were clearly violating expulsion rules or the rules that would, of course, allow a person to be expelled, among other things. I know that there was Obama money tied into it, if memory serves. It was bizarre. The whole thing was bizarre. And uh, I'll never forget one of the first press conferences that occurred in the street outside of that alleged shooting. The superintendent was there, who allegedly no longer works there, and uh, and was brought up on obstruction of justice or, or fraud or something along those lines. Uh, in fact, it says it right here, perjury charges. Uh, it says former Broward's superintendent, Robert Runcie was, if I'm saying that right, was indicted on perjury charges by a grand jury in April of 2021. He stepped down in August of 2021, and much of the report was highly critical of Runcie's leadership, but the four now suspended board members continue to support him. Well, that's good. But I'll never forget that press conference because the superintendent was there, a black man, if I'm not mistaken. That's the image in my head. I I can see the guy's face. Uh, the sheriff of Broward County was there, that, that dirty guy. And Pam Bondi was there, the attorney general at the time, and a bunch of other people. And the only person who was visibly upset was Pam Bondi. She was crying. And no one else was crying. Everybody else was just kind of stone-faced, like, okay, business as usual. It seemed weird. It just seemed odd to me. So again, I don't know what's going on with the Nicholas Cruz trial. I just, I've never heard of such a clear-cut case of murder, um, allegedly, being drawn out as, as much as it is and pulling in as many former students as humanly possible, many of which, of course, who have graduated and are off in college now and or have jobs and whatever they're doing. But They're allegedly bringing all these people back and having them testify. So, I don't know. The whole thing seems weird. It just seems odd. And uh, a governor removing school board members, you know, great. Go for it. I'm shocked it doesn't happen more often. But then again, we know who runs these states. We know the kinds of people that, that run these states. And again, it goes, I think, without saying, but it's worth noting again that many of the governors, of course, support the public education system, and they and school board members tend to be one and the same in many cases, uh, even if they differ politically based on you know the colors that are around their names, whether they be red or blue, whatever it may be, um, they typically leave each other alone because of just general federalism. They, they, they typically don't get involved, but when it comes to serious crimes like this, yeah, Governors need to get involved. Doesn't matter again where they sit politically. If you have school board members that are 
breaking the law and endangering people, in particular minors, let alone their own employees, that's bad enough, but minors, then, uh, then yeah, hold them accountable. And don't just suspend them, remove them from office. If you have the ability, do it. Which then leads me to this, and this is the final thing I'm going to mention here, and I, th- there's a, a bit to read here, but it's certainly worth it. Uh, you've heard me mention in the past the business of Title IX and how the Title IX laws are shady, in particular with a recent case, again, that you've heard me bring up where I live, of an individual who, again, was sexually assaulting, so to speak, or inappropriately touching a female middle school student. And, of course, the teacher no longer works there, and unfortunately, the parents are continuing to send the child back to the same school building. God knows why. Who knows? Brainwashing is a real thing. Um, Title IX lawyers got involved in the case and stretched the case out, frankly, longer than, than anything I could have imagined. It took a very long time. Again, this person was on paid administrative leave as a school teacher for well over six months. That's next to unheard of. But Title IX, ladies and gentlemen, has been hijacked. And I suppose it was always a slippery slope because even when I attended Miami University, it was Title IX that was responsible for getting rid of the men's soccer team. And they basically just said, well, we are implementing Title IX, and as a result, we're going to get rid of the men's soccer team and we're going to bring in something like girls' field hockey. And that was the end of men's soccer. And it, uh, it just didn't exist anymore. I don't know if it does now. I frankly don't care. But Title IX, again, has always been a slippery slope. It's, it, it was designed under the illusion of, of women's rights. And, uh, well, jokes on them. Now it's uh, men who think they're women are, are getting these rights under Title IX, or at least it's being attempted. So this comes from childparentrights.org. And uh, yeah, it is a giant campaign, restore, defend, and secure. Title IX, it says what it is and where it's going. And so it says the following here, and allow me to read through this, because there's a number of bullet points. I put this out on Gab, but it needs to be mentioned here on the show without a doubt. It says the following. It says, quote, here is an overview of what is proposed, of what the proposed changes, rather, to Title IX's regulations will do. Again, the U.S. Department of Education intends to expand Title IX to include sexual orientation and gender identity. They aren't letting this go. They're going to ram this home any way they can. Breaking the law is their modus operandi. That's what they want to do here. They're going to do it. They're going to attempt anyway. But, but before I read, I read into this, can somebody answer me this? And this may be a thing, and I, I don't know. You know how we always hear about these cases where uh, these corrupt administrations, fake administrations, politicians, whatever, will push forth something that is blatantly illegal, and then there's public outrage, and then all of a sudden uh, some judge gets involved, and a judge says, oh yeah, that's blatantly illegal, you can't do that. Like the Muriel Bowser uh, shot mandates for children in schools and for government workers in D.C. 
It took a federal judge to basically slap all that down. Why is it that the lawyers and the mayor and any any you know low lackey goon who puts forth these policies gets away with put, pushing forth something that's blatantly illegal? Why is that a thing? Why is that allowed? Why is that allowed to take place? There's no repercussions for them. Again, if a judge says you can't do that, that's blatantly illegal, and then it's reversed. Why are the people who put it forth not not arrested or charged with something? I mean, they're just trying to see what sticks. They're throwing all the spaghetti noodles up against the wall, and they're all illegal, and they're all trying to see what sticks. And this Title IX thing is one of those things. So who's going to be held accountable for this? I, my guess is no one. Okay. So it says the following, quote, create a new category of sex discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity. It says the new rules will dramatically expand the scope of Title IX to include discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation and gender identity. They declare that preventing a student from participating in any school activity consistent with their gender identity subjects a student to harm on the basis of sex. The next bullet point, it says, make upholding biological reality a form of sex-based harassment, which means if you say, no, you're really a girl, or no, you're really a boy, that's going to be sex-based harassment. You have got to be joking. It says the new regulations create a new form of sex-based harassment actions like using a child's given name and biological, biologically accurate pronouns, instead of a preferred name or pronouns, may be regarded as sex-based harassment. Well, that's nice. Name usage is now harassment, too. The next bullet point says, Normalize gender identity ideology and harm children's health. It says, quote, the new regulations will promote gender identity ideology in our schools as mandated policy, encouraging students to believe that they can be born in the wrong body, quote-unquote. Studies show that if not socially transitioned, 61% to 98% of children will come to terms with their biological sex, but if transitioned, children will be less likely to reconnect with their sex. Yes, because it's a mental disorder. And I've covered it at length here. It's a mental disorder. It then says many children will, will then pursue chemical and surgical alterations that have irreversible life-altering consequences like sterility and lifelong sexual dysfunction, interpreting healthy growth and development and other serious risks like loss of bone density, cognitive problems, blood clots, cardiovascular disease, and cancer. The next bullet point says create a head-on collision with parental rights. It says the new regulations would require K-12 schools to support socially transitioning children to a different gender without requiring notice to parents, the involvement of medical professionals, or legal documentation. These are life-altering decisions they are not qualified to make. These rules will increase calls to Child Protective Services for parents who uphold biological reality. 
yep, that will happen. Children are harmed when parents are disempowered to make the best decisions to protect their mental, physical, and spiritual well-being. Next bullet point. It says, threaten religious freedom and free speech in favor of gender indoctrination. School districts will be forced to adopt policies that compel students and staff to refer to others as something other than their sex. It says this will violate the students and teachers' First Amendment rights to speak freely and treat others in a manner that is biologically accurate and consistent with their faith. You see, at face value, ladies and gentlemen, it violates the First Amendment. A judge would have to strike this down in an instant. Unless, of course, the judges that are allowing this are all men who are pretending to be women or women pretending to be men, in which case we're doomed. Again, if you needed another reason, to pull children out. This, they're telling you what they want to do. They want to do this. The simple fact that they want to do this to people within school environments should be all the evidence you need. They're saying, well, we want to do this, and we're going to do whatever we have to do to make this happen. Whether it happens or not, you know, who cares at this point? The, the fact is, is they want to. So, I don't know. We want to molest your kid. You know, we, we, we want to brainwash them. That's what they're openly admitting. The next bullet point says, turn Title IX coordinators into federal law enforcement officials. The new regulations give Title IX coordinators sweeping new authority to enforce the new mandates. They empower Title IX coordinators to decide whether to make a complaint against a school official or another student if a child does not want to. That's Bolshevism. That's the direct definition of Bolshevism. So they're going to get their little double, triple jabbed Bolshevik who's going to work for the school district under Title IX, whether it be a lawyer, district official, somebody, they're going to pay them. And then, of course, they're going to receive complaints. Whether true or not, everybody will be viewed as guilty before proven innocent, and then you have a mess. You have a Bolshevik mess on your hands. Incredible. It then says, there's two more bullet points. It says, require students to open up their privacy facilities based on gender identity. Schools would be required to permit males who identify as females to use privacy facilities set aside for females and vice versa. Girls, women, girls slash women, in case you were confused, will have to surrender their rights to privacy and be placed at increased risk for harassment or assault by males who claim a female identity. The last, oh God, the last bullet point, jeopardize girls and women's athletic and educational opportunities. I'm going to tell you something before I read this last one. There are no education or athletic opportunities left. There are none. They don't exist. Not in these brick-and-mortar institutions. They just don't. They don't. They're gone now. They're gone. This document alone should prove it. This plan of action that they want should just prove it. That should, pr that should be all the proof that people need. So it says this. It says, quote, this is again the last one. 
these rules will require sports teams to be based on gender identity instead of biological sex, forcing girls and women to compete on an unfair basis for athletic opportunities and scholarships against males and creating significant risks of injury for girls and women. Yes. Yes. In fact, a, mem uh, a story comes to mind after reading that. It was Judge Joe Brown of TV fame who was telling a story, and it could have been on Quite Frankly, but he was telling a story where a niece of his, if I'm not mistaken, was in martial arts, and she was forced to go up against a boy, a male, biological male, who identified as a female, and she ended up getting her arm broken. She ended up being seriously injured. Her elbow broke, shoulder, something like that. And she was, of course, visibly upset when she was describing this particular story because she's saying, look, we're supposed to go up against girls, not these, not these huge dudes who think that they're girls. This is, this is a mess. This is a mess that, that, that cannot be fixed. The only way to fix it Yes, it should be handled legally and, and eliminated you know, using the law that exists of the land. But the easiest law that exists, that exists in all of our spines and all of our backbones and in between our ears, at least it should be, is the lack of participation. Just walk away. Just walk away. It really, in my mind, again, is the inability of the individual to reorganize their life and to be an animal, not necessarily a snake, but although metaphorically this fits, to just shed their skin. Just shed your skin. You grew up thinking you wanted to be a professional athlete. Look what they're doing to professional athletes right now. Step outside of your body, shed your skin, and look at the entire landscape. Professional athletes right now are being made fun of. The people who attend professional ath athletic events are being mocked and made fun of. There is a segment of society that is doing that. The people that are playing the, you know, the ball sports and the bread and circus and all the nonsense, they're being ridiculed for not waking up and not paying attention to what's going on in society. But yet we have these students who are continuously participating in these sports at the middle school, high school, collegiate level because they believe that they have to in order to either attend these institutions or make it to the next level of, of a professional sport or whatever it may be. Most of them are jabbed now because they had to be to attend these institutions, and they don't understand that the likelihood of them playing a professional sport is slim and none. They don't get it. They can't see beyond the game they play. This, again, is one of the harder things. It's very difficult for, for quote-unquote college athletes. Is college ends, the ball sport or whatever sport they're playing goes away, what do they do then? What do they do? They, they've, they've put all their eggs in that one basket. They've become one-dimensional. What, what, what is it that they do? This, again, is why depression among those individuals has been studied and the jury is in on on that mental and emotional health declines among the individuals who are participating in these sports throughout the collegiate level 
not just now because they're playing next to Teddy, who's really Sally, but or Sally, who's really Teddy. However you want to, however you want to slice that up. But um, it's just because they they're just one dimensional and they don't see themselves doing anything else. They they feed themselves this false societal limelight that that by and large is an illusion that does not exist. Now you have all of this. Now you have this Title IX nonsense that's going to blow all of that to pieces and normalize this insanity. Again, who was it? The Leah Thomas gal? It's a dude, of course. It's like Jeff or whatever the hell his name really is. But, uh, you know, again, that person can't compete at the collegiate level if there's no one else on the team. So why did this person have teammates? Why did those teammates not just walk away? I understand the argument, and people are saying this probably to themselves right now. They're saying, well, Sean, they won the scholarships. If they walk away from the team, they lose their scholarship, and then you know, they, they can't attend the school anymore. Um, you know, they wouldn't, they wouldn't all do that at the exact same time. Well, why not? Why not? Why not vote with your feet and just walk away? Send a message. We aren't playing anymore. If you kick me out and you revoke my scholarship, so be it. I'll go somewhere else. Maybe someone else will give me a scholarship. Maybe a smaller school. Who cares? You know, I'm not going to play this professional sport and compete in this professional sport professionally anyway. Most don't. So who cares? Send the message that you're not going to be a part of a team like this with someone who is clearly taking advantage of the entire system by playing pretend. They're playing dress up. Billy thinks he's a girl. And now they're playing dress up and they're going to normalize dress up in these sports. Walk away, ladies and gentlemen. Walk away. That's the way this whole thing crumbles. Your lack of participation ends the game. With that said, ladies and gentlemen, I'll catch you on Friday. Take care. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.